0: Welcome to episode 54 of the Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Gavin. And I'm Kate. Yay, the gang's all here. Welcome back, Kate.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm here.
0: (laughs) You were were sorely missed, but um, uh, there was no no Sabre to talk about, so you you weren't really missing anything important, so it was absolutely fine. Yeah,
1: I I did uh, catch up on the episode, and I think I heard a snarky comment from Hmm. a certain Gavin about, oh, it's just Sabre, Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty heroic when you weren't there to uh, to beat him to a pulp, and uh, I did think it might come back to haunt him though, and I'm, I'm glad that it has.
1: Well, yeah, we don't miss anything.
2: I we say I'm sorry, <laughs> but we're not in the same
0: room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she will hunt you down. <laughs> anyway, let's get our um, our thank yous. Uh, so, thank you as always to our our lovely sponsors, and Paul, for keeping us going and supporting us for for yet another season. Very much appreciated, thank indeed. You. Thanks, guys. And also thank you to our equally lovely, I'm sticking with that as being the position, equally lovely Patreon supporters, uh, your wonderful group of people keeping the Good Ship Fencing podcast afloat. Any of you other listeners who haven't joined them yet, now's your chance. Do it as a kind of early Christmas present to us. Follow the link in the the show notes and uh, sign yourself up for a bit of a feel-good factor for yourself as a kind of early Christmas present to yourselves as well. We are worth it <laughs> uh, yes, I like to think so. I like to think so, so anyway, onto to onto a new feature uh, first for us we're going to have our very first meeting of the fencing podcast book club, and we've got well we've got some shiny new publications mm-hmm. both by British coaches and well, Gav, I'll hand you over as our as our book critic uh, for our our first book in this evening's
2: selection well this is uh this is fencing by uh, Jimek. Now, forgive me on the surname, it's Wojciechowski, is that right? Wojciechowski, yes. Wojciechowski. He's a very well-known foil coach. He's coached just about everyone who's anyone who's been successful in Great Britain since before I was born, basically. Uh, (laughs) And he was actually on the Polish team uh, before he became a coach. And he's very well-known. He's a bit of a character around about the the fencing circuit, so you, you can always... You can spot Jimmy a mile off with one of his hats, or uh, his cries of "Well, this is fencing." It's quite, it's quite a character.
0: This is fencing is, is the highest possible praise when he's standing peace side. A good hit will get you a bravo. That's true. If you produce something, yeah. something amazing. What you get is a ah. This is fencing, and yeah, uh, that's when you know you're you're really flying.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think Jimmy's had another book out in the past, and I'm looking over at my bookcase, and it's. Oh, is it? I can't see it. It's foil fencing. Uh,
0: foil right? foil Theory Methods and Exercises.
2: That's the one. That's right. And that's a sort of stereotypical foil manual. Uh, it's very much in the standard mo- mode of you're a coach. This is a book for coaches. This is the, the theory and practice of foil. It's a good one, but it's it, mm-hmm. it it is. very much in the, the standard mode of fencing treatises. But this is a different book. It's written, obviously, with coaches in mind, but there's a lot of wisdom in it, I think, just about anybody who reads this book could pick up on. And with Jiménez, I think one of the interesting things about him is he has a very, and he's got a very clear way of communi- communicating concepts, which don't involve the, well, not always anyway, the the standard words that we use in fencing. Now, so he's very clear in the concepts, and he communicates them well. And on top of this, is this kind of he's got his own linguistic flourish that he just adds to the top of that. So, for example, he might describe a particular hit as a chaput. Or, or you know, mm-hmm. or, or something along those lines, and it's not a standard fencing word. It doesn't come out of a lexicon of cart and sixed and everything like that. Uh, and I quite like all of that. I like the fact that he's willing to break the mold, and his observations are, are if you like, grounded in a very thorough understanding of the realities of the modern game. And and, and this is the book's called "This Is Fencing," and I think most of the principles are universally applicable uh, throughout. Sometimes I feel that it's definitely more skewed to foil, and that's not really a surprise. I don't think there's anything controversial about that. I will say, though, that there are a couple of areas that I think a little bit of extra design work and a little bit of thought might have really pushed the book into something stratospheric. I mean, it's excellent, but we could add something Mm -hmm. stratospheric. And I think the, the, the key points for me would be the illustrative images for actions are basic. They're what you expect. A fencing book, it's a fencer and a coach. And, you know, mm. the fence is doing something or the coach is doing something. But they're just sort of standard images. They're not very exciting. And then on top of that, I think occasionally the, the editing's went a little bit awry. There might be a missing word or perhaps a phrase missing out of an anecdote, which means you have to go back yeah. and read it a few times to quite sort of grasp where he's going for. It's the anecdotes that I was kind of living for all the way through the book, where there's usually a little box, a little aside in, the, in a box, and there's something in it, and it's you read it and it was just like, ah, oh, there's a word missing, I need to figure out what the word is. Uh, mm. But I thoroughly enjoyed it and I would highly recommend anyone, whether you're a coach or a fan, to pick it up. And I think I think coaches in particular should have a copy of this. I think there's some really interesting observations for you to take into your coaching game, but I think everybody can learn something from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I read, I read the book uh, pretty much as soon as it came out, bought my copy, and it's sort of passion and enthusiasm for the sport really comes through in the in the writing. You You can hear... If, if you've listened to Jamek talking before, you mm-hmm. can actually hear him saying the words on the page. It's very much mm-hmm. uh, very clear. It's his book and his uh, his passion and knowledge that's driven it. It's been a, a light editing job, I think, by who, whoever has done the editing.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's uh, that's that's no bad thing. It really it captures the, the the essence of the man, I
2: think. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, despite what I've said about, it, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, I'm not I'm not seeing this as a critical error. If you've ever read any of the. The other standard tests like uh texts like uh, fencing in the modern style, uh where the sister sister gets a slog to read that book. It shouldn't be a slog, yeah. but it's a slog to read that book. It's not like that at all. It really sings along and you really get you really do get a the impression of a man who's thoroughly in love with, with the game itself. I I I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I came away from it feeling enthused. Oh, definitely. That's a, a rare thing in a in a fencing book, I've I've gotta say.
2: It, the other interesting thing is that Quite a lot of what he says I already agree with It's kind of like my own conclusions I'm, I'm not saying I'm zhimmick. That would be stupid But what I'm saying is we've, 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 we've come to the same conclusions here You know, that there are things to do And his experience shows through Because he's maybe taken the idea A step further than, yeah. uh, than I've taken it It's just lots of lots of Really interesting things About how you construct your footwork game How you approach Maybe coaching sort of someone to Apply that game You know your approach to performance metrics, all that kind of stuff. It's just really interesting. I'd go out and get a copy.
0: Yep, definitely. would. I would heartily recommend.
2: Mm-hmm. Which uh,
0: brings us to our, our second volume of the evening, a book entitled From Last to First, Parent's Guide to Fencing Success by British Sabre coach John Salfield and uh, Daniela Norris, who, who I don't know, but I believe she is a, a, a fencing parent. So getting... Both, both perspective involved in the, the writing of this book. And I really think in, in, fencing is a, a first of its kind. And, and I wish there'd been something like this years ago mm. because it's, uh, brilliantly put together for, for that target audience of, of fencing parents, people who are new to their sport, their kids are getting involved. They perhaps know little or nothing about the sport and they want to, they want to find out to help their kids develop as best they can, enjoy mm-hmm. it and, and achieve the success that, that they want and it' and it's really got everything it's a a complete journey for for somebody wandering into a fencing club for the first time, what to look for how to find your right club, you know the sort of characteristics of good coaches clubs at work, a bit of information about you know the sort of um mm. uh, sort of instructional this is what fencing's about and how it works lots of lots of tips it's just full of full of really really good advice mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever seen that in a fencing book before. Although it says it's a guide for the, for fencing parents. Um, I'd really recommend that if you're a coach, you read this because there's a, a, a good chance that you probably know quite a bit of it already, but seeing it so well constructed and well written, um, and put together in a really logical order, um, works, works well to remind us all of what a new fencer is looking for and what they should be able to expect from a, mm. from a club environment and for, from a coach and, yeah, I would recommend it to any coach. And certainly, what I'm going to do with with my copy is give it to the other coaches in, in my club to read. And then I'm going to keep it in the club so that any time we get a new fencer coming and joining, mm-hmm. I'll hand this to to the parent that brings the young fencer along and says, "Have a read of this. It will give you a really good idea of what you can expect from the sport." So uh, i I'm was hugely impressed by it. it. Really was. It's quite quite a slim volume, about hundred and hundred and thirty pages or so. So mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to be slogging through it for. For weeks, and it's, it is really nicely written. Again, it kind of captures uh, the sort of uh, eloquence and enthusiasm that, yeah. that John Sal- John Salfield has for the sport. I really enjoyed it.
2: I think you're right. I, I don't think there's a book like this. I've never heard of a book like this before. I've seen newsletters of people have said, well, you know, sent them out for individual clubs where they said, you know, this is the sport fencing, these are the three weapons, this is where to buy your equipment from, this is what to expect at a tournament. But it's very bitty. Yeah. You know, it's written from an insider's yeah. view. Uh, so yeah, I need to get a copy of this. I actually I don't own a copy of this. This is one of the books I need to, I think, have a look at. Well, I will, I will maybe get
0: you it as a as a Christmas present, Gav, because uh, <laughs> I, I do genuinely think you would enjoy it. And um, yeah, we we heartily recommend the book, and I would do exactly the same with uh, with with John's one. Uh, yeah, a new a new development in in fencing books, and uh, uh, from me a really welcome one. Should we put?
2: So we co- just, oh, sorry, Kit,
1: one go. No, you say it's for parents. So what kind of? Are you saying like parents of competing fencers or recreational, like just started fencing or has it got quite wide?
0: It's it's a, a full range from a person walking into a fencing club for the first time or even thinking about starting mm. fencing through to, through to international level. It takes you through all the steps and kind of what things you should be thinking about to, to develop your game. So, you know, it covers things that you perhaps might not immediately think of focusing on if you're a you're a beginner fencer but as you're starting to progress so uh, things like strength and conditioning and nutrition and Mm -hmm. uh and physiology things that you know when you pick up a sword for a time barely cross your mind but as you start to develop that's the sort of things that you'll need to know about as well if you're gonna gonna get the most out of the sport so it's a yeah it's really comprehensive and um uh, it's it's not hand-holding exercise though i mean there's a a good chapter on athlete responsibility which uh Mm-hmm. I think it's very important that um you're not going to be entirely mod- mollycoddled through this and and you need to be self reliant as well, which I thought was a interesting a, a really a really important important point, kind of in the middle in the middle of the book. So they're kind of taking you through the through the, the lead up of sort of getting going and um how to how to think about the the sport and your own development and that was uh another another really key chapter. So <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all in there uh, for for the full range of fencers. Yeah, go and buy it. <laughs> we'll have we'll have the links um, uh, to the books. Um, I think that both are available available on Amazon, and they're certainly both available from Liam Paul. So we'll put links for for both of them in there. Um, so if you're looking for an early Christmas present for uh, a fencer that you love, or as an early Christmas present for yourself, then both these books would be would be a great choice.
2: I think. Other. I mean, we should put a call out. I think for books that people think that we should have a read out. I don't know if we should just only read books about fencing. There are lots of other books I think are important to the sport of, or potentially important to the sport of fencing, which which, we, which deserve to be talked about a awful lot more. Everyone thinks that fencing is about sword and hand skills. I think there's there's far more to it than that. But I think it would be interesting mm. to hear from people what they think, what other books they think perhaps that we should maybe have a discussion about.
0: Okay, when we maybe put something up on uh, yeah, I think so. up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, mm. uh, tell us, tell us your recommendations, and we'll see how many we read. I must admit, it's been quite a while since I've actually read a fencing book. So, so getting through two in a couple of months and two that were really good was actually a, a really refreshing change from my mm. my usual steady diet of other sports reading.
2: Well, so, I'm um, the same. Yeah, I might be interested uh, to, to hear to what people quick, recommend. Right. Yeah, and just just to sort of clarify, just to be absolutely clear on this, the the last time I read a book, especially on fencing, I did not enjoy it. So it was an absolute pleasure to actually turn a page in a book and go, you know, let's have a look. What's on the next page? It's um, great. What's, what's what's next? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I think that's one of the reasons I've never picked up a and read a fencing book, as the only ones I've ever seen are that sort of classic, old old mm-hmm. style of fencing going through like a manual, but in a, a really sort of I don't want to say the Musketeers, but that kind of right, yeah, verging on the past, not the modern game mm-hmm. of fencing. And I've never had a sort of want to read it, but these ones I do want to read because they've got they relate to the modern game. They're not like you said, old slogs through a big thick book of yeah, some yeah. dusty old yeah. I was being very careful there yeah. with not saying uh, old coaches, but have come out. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> what is, what are you trying to suggest? I'm saying you guys no, no, we, are we the modern in.
1: generation. Of people,
2: fencing coaches. Yeah. Uh, ever since I got a toddler. Yeah, ever since I've had a toddler I've, I've definitely got greer, <laughs> I admit that. You have. You have. Oh yes, Gav, actually um uh, belated happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday,
1: Gav.
0: Yeah. Since yeah, we're recording sorry. just just the day after your birthday. I would sing to you, but I've got a terrible singing voice, mm-hmm. so um, I'll not do that. So so what's that, sixty
2: two, sixty three is it? <laughs> uh, I'm not giving away my age. <laughs> you know it's like well, we, well, should, that we should do guess the weight. Like guess the guess, weight. <laughs> <guess, guess, guess, laughs> <laughs> exactly. All of that.
0: <laughs> so cruel. Anyway, so I think that, that wraps up uh, the Fencing Podcast book club, first meeting. Mm-hmm. And it went extremely well. Success. Who knows when the next one will be. So shall we talk about some fencing? Some actual fencing? Yeah. Yeah. Well... Mm-hmm. Should we get Cairo out of the way? Because well, there's not much to say about Cairo apart from us being a kind of results reading service. Because no live stream for either the men's saber world cup or the women's foil world cup, which happened the the following weekend. Um, Kate, as our as our resident saber expert, do you want to do you want to tell us what happened in the men's saber in Cairo?
1: I mean, apart from just uh, me staring at a screen of lights and numbers. Um, <laughs> so the eventual, uh, I'll go through the top three medals. We've got joint third of Friani and Kim, mm-hmm. Schmely in second, and Ansted in first place. So personally, that was kind of an interesting result, and I am slightly annoyed mm-hmm. that there's no live stream because of the the last thirty two, the sixteen, and the top eight, even going into the sixty four. I've just wild results we had i think the the one for me that threw me slightly was streets put out oh sango 1513 i want to know i want to know what happened i want to see yeah, but i can't Thirty-two. yeah slight frustration but yeah 32 you have uh hartung going out Gil, montano yeah and Derschwitz going out in the 64
0: yeah yeah casualties all over the place uh I would say perhaps a slightly surprising semi-final lineup mm-hmm. and certainly to uh and back in, back in the top step. I would say a bit of a surprise hasn't hasn't produced a result like that for for quite some time and um yeah it would've been really interesting to see wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. The one thing I did notice as well that I thought was quite interesting was the uh return of Papatouri and Mattelotti Ah, Okay. As the yeah. referees as well. Mm-hmm. After the yep, ban, which f- didn't well, lifelong ban didn't last that long. Intrigued. No,
0: no, um, I, I don't know if it was ever actually really a, an official ban, but certainly they were ushered away from the World Championships fairly quickly following the the men's saber team final, mm-hmm. um, where where Hungary lost out to Korea, uh, much to the huge disappointment of the the big Hungarian crowd that was in the stadium, and clearly. Uh, much of the disappointment of the Hungarian organisers that were quite cross about things it seemed mm. but yeah, the fact that they were both back in action I'm, I'm pleased to see that
1: Yeah, it's good to know that they um, the good referees are back really, I, I've seen I've rest myself a couple of times I can't think of the competitions but it's those sort of things that it's a common face and if you have them taking your pool you go okay, I've got one thing, yeah. one less thing I have to worry about
0: yeah, these these are the good guys. And, uh, yeah, I still feel the way that they were treated in, in Budapest was uh, far from good. No. Um, I think a couple of other things uh, from Cairo that I noticed. Um, no Salagi?
1: No, slaggy. no slaggy, yeah.
0: Yep. Didn't really get a full explanation, but somebody sort of vaguely suggested that he simply didn't feel quite ready to start the season yet and there was no rush. He was pretty confident that his team were going along fine and that, you know, missing one and starting the season a little later... In what is a long season with the Olympics at the end of it in yeah. August is actually, actually probably pretty smart thinking, I would say.
1: It's, quite, it's a bold move, but I think he's pretty comfortable. And it is it is bold but smart move for him to take.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you've got the confidence that, yeah, I don't need to do this. And if I, if I start my season now, it stretches out to be 10 months long. Whereas if I, if I wait until January before making my first outing, then um, yeah, my season's a little bit shorter. I can spend more time preparing for it and uh, look to look to retain my Olympic title uh, yet again. So yeah. see what works for him.
1: Is possible third title?
2: As yeah, well, be mom. amazing.
0: Yeah, it would mm-hmm. be. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the other story was sort of final confirmation. And uh, now I heard a sort of vague rumor about this a couple of months ago. Christian Bauer not with Russia anymore.
1: No,
0: I didn't mention it last time out. Because it was one of those little stories that kind of sort of popped up somewhere in social media, and I can't even remember where I saw it. But then I heard nothing more about it afterwards. I thought, oh, is that you know, is that really right? It didn't seem to be backed up anywhere because it seemed a big enough story that I would have expected it to have more more comment about the place. But it kind of died away. But yeah, not not with the Russian team uh, in Cairo apparently, and uh, but working with um, Sandra Basazi of Georgia.
2: Oh, really? So ah, he's, okay. he's
0: gone gone freelancing. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm sure that's. Uh, that's a relationship that will do Mr. Pizzazzi's uh, fence in the world of good as well. But, uh, yeah, an interesting departure. I don't know who's taking his place. Any idea, Kate?
1: No, I don't know, actually. They were in Orleon. I saw him coaching Benitez of Venezuela. Right. But I think... No, I don't think. Uh, no, I don't actually know. I'll have to do more investigations. Like when okay. Who's the now new <laughs> Come back Russian with an update coach. for the next one. Yeah. But they did, they did have coaches, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, so of course. Just... I mean, they uh, I don't know what it's like, obviously, in the on the women's saber scene, but um, there's usually three or four Russian coaches travelling with the squad, um, as yeah. a, as a minimum. You know, one one identifiable head coach, but I'm guessing either squad coaches or personal coaches travelling with the fencers as well, and uh, all part of a, a a big effective team team group. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to find out who's who's running the show. Yeah,
1: yeah, new head honcho. Yep.
0: Because I mean, certainly what they did was the men's foil. So obviously, they had um, Cherioni running the running the foil program um, up to Rio, uh, but they went in house again since then. Elgar Mamadov taking over. So it'd be interesting to see if they've uh, if they're going back to having a Russian head coach for for the saber side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So there we are. That was um, that was my. Dr- oh yeah. In teams as well. Korea one. Um, Hungary took Second, despite missing their their start turn. He was third. Italy finished third, beating Russia pretty comfortably for the bronze medal. The almost massive shock of the day was Great Britain pushing Korea all the way to the last hit in the last sixteen.
1: Yeah.
0: And that would have been that was
1: I think that's the that might be the only video I've seen of Cairo is on the Sydney Sabre instagram. Yeah, the
0: last hit. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but that would that would have been an incredible win. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> I did have a look at the scores and uh James Honeybone went absolutely crazy in the in the second last leg. Uh he beat Kim Jong Won uh twelve three in that leg. Oh <laughs> yeah. Tell
2: oh. <laughs> I'd like yeah, to see this, right? I want to see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all do. We all do. But we're not going to. We're not going to. So I'm going to move swiftly onto the wounds foil in Cairo. Again, no live stream. So it score reporting time. I'll do the usual format. Volpe, Ebert, Romvier, Zagadolina, and Ross of the USA, all going out in the 64. Francesca Palumbo of Italy and Astra Giart of France out in the 32. Ivanova, Korobanikova, Perieval of Russia out in the 16. Sarah of Japan, Yuka Aino of Japan also out in the 16. Shi Yu of China beat uh, Ryo Azuma of Japan in the first quarter final. Di Francesca beat Lee Kiefer, 15-9 in the second one. Uh, Ariana Rigo beat our teammate Martina Bettini, uh, 15-11. And Zora Tibus beat Inna Deryglazova. So a women's foil competition where Deryglazova doesn't win. So already it sounds great. Huh? And I would really like to see that one. <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not going to. So semi-finals. Um, she, you, who I saw a little bit of her fencing at the World Championships, or I think she made the last eight, and looked pretty good, so into semi-final here, and then beats uh, Elisa Di Francesca, 15-11, to make it through to the final, and meanwhile, what may well have been a properly epic scrap, which again, I would very much like to have seen, go, beats Thibaut, 15-14. The uh, final looks like it was probably a bit of a, an anticlimax climax with, uh, with Ariana winning 15-6. But that's the first win for her for well, quite a while, I'm thinking a couple of seasons probably. And
2: um, I was thinking, eighteen. Months. Nice for
0: her to be back on top of the podium. Yeah, maybe maybe even longer at World Cup. So I would I would love to have seen that happening, but nope, it's not it's not happening. In the teams, Italy beat Russia in the final, 43-40, So maybe not an utterly thrilling one. Um, and looking, <laughs> I went to look at the live scores because you know that's all we got to go on. And even Cairo seemed to have given up on this one because the the scoring for the final isn't complete. Oh my <laughs> So it kind of cuts off at about a nail biting twenty-two all and then the rest of the scores are not filled in. So yeah, yeah. Top work. France finished third, beating USA, um, 45-40 for the for the bronze. Uh, both the semi-finals were relatively straightforward. So yeah, Italy on back on top again. Uh I suppose the real question for, for them is uh their starting three seem seem pretty set with uh Volpe di Francesca and uh Irigo. And I think the question now for the Italian women's football team is who's who's going to be the reserve? Do they stick with Plumbo as they had here? Um or does Martina Bettini continue to, no. to rise up the rankings and uh, force force way back into the team? No. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my best my best sort of parental voice now and have a word with Cairo. So Cairo, I'm I'm not cross, I'm just very very disappointed, and I want you to think about what you've done and how it's affected everyone, <laughs> and I want you to promise that you'll never do it again. Okay, at that point, I would I would tussle Cairo in the hair, and say, right, off you go and play in the park, or sniff glue, or bully your mates on social media, or wh- whatever kids do these <laughs> days, and, and that would be it. Because the thing is, they, they do host another World Cup later in the season. They host the final Men's Foil World mm. Cup of Olympic qualification in March, I think it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if that's not live stream. Uh, well, like I say, I'm I'm disappointed with this because there's a lot of stuff in there that I would like to have seen. I will be properly livid if there's no live stream for this absolutely crucial event because that's going to determine the teams that qualify and it's going to have a huge huge impact. on who's going for the individual for the Olympics, and if that's not live streamed, it will be a disgrace. So there, there's my rant.
2: Well, it is it is bizarre because we know we know that they they can do it. We know that they can do it. So why didn't they do it? What's going on there? Maybe there's somebody out there who can tell us what's going out there, going on there because it's just very, very I would obvious.
0: love to know. I would love to know because, yeah,
2: it's yeah. it's poor. At least you're not as raging as you were, but, yeah, uh, as the... Oh, who was it again? Who was it last year that you were raging about? Cancun. Cancun used to be the worst.
0: Cancun, that's who it was. Yep. Mexico. You, you yeah. couldn't produce a live stream. Or actually, I, th- I think that was the second or third year that they'd run the opening Women's Fall World Cup of the, the mm-hmm. season and they came up with a, a shaky, clearly handheld shot on somebody's iPhone, a bit of Facebook Live. It, it was terrible. But it was still way more yes, than yes. we've got out of Cairo for two World Cups this time round. <laughs> so, yeah, come on guys, Anyways. you can do better. We know you can. Mm-hmm. So Gav, tell me a bit about um, the Men's Epi in,
2: in Bern. <clears throat> well, I don't get to see this very often, but all the actions in the Men's Epi... <laughs>
0: well we still got still got Kate to tell us about the women's Sabre in Orleans so I'm, I'm not <laughs> totally sure that that's true but all right okay that's that's true yeah tell us tell us all about it
2: well so Burn was good I'm assuming that neither of you've spent any time with, with watching burn this year uh if you, if you, no. go on go on Sean no I haven't no. don't okay that's that's fair enough Kate
1: <laughs> yep uh oh it's my favorite thing to do is watch men's depe all day
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very, you were saying yeah. that the other day. No. Well that's yeah. what that's what I did. No. No, okay. <laughs> so Gav, tell us all about it. It's make, make the pitch. Okay, so if you've only looked at the the rankings, it, it is gonna look a bit weird. There are some potentially strange results that happened this year in Bern. But uh, it was actually quite exciting. So we'll just shall we just plow through this in our normal way? Yeah, I mean to be fair, I did look at the results
0: and go mm-hmm. well, I know it's epi. So it's likely to be a bit weird. But this is properly weird, even by EPI standards.
2: Yep. So we'll, we'll just go through our, 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 our early levers and we'll, uh, we'll see hit showers. So out in the last 64, Minobi, Santarelli, Kano, Verweilen, Alexandin, Hoyle, and Yamada. All out in the 64. Yeah, three
0: Japanese fencers there. They're still yep. not recovering from your ongoing support. That's disappointing.
2: <laughs> we'll come back to that, I think. <laughs> out in the last 32 is uh, Siklosi and Heimser And then out in the last 16 we, we lose Bida, Park And Pereira Now this leaves us with the last 8, that's, that's quite interesting But I'm going to leave the best to last So starting, th- our fourth Quarter final was Igor Riesland versus Yannick Burrell Close in here uh, with Igor easing out Yannick, 15-12 Our third quarter final was Bogdan Kitchen up against uh, Alexander Bardney. Uh Bardany taking this one fifteen twelve. Bardany was on fire all day, right? Absolutely on fire. You can go and have a look at your scores. The second quarter final was Roman Swishgar of Ukraine up against uh, Tibor Andrashvay of Hungary. Uh Shvishgar took this one fifteen eleven. And then our first, I guess last quarter final was Badamanoken up against Hussam Elkord. Hmm. Yeah? From where? Well he's listed as being from Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he so th- the score in on this one was fifteen five to to in but uh, Hussam put out on the way up. He put out Diliberto, his Italian fencer. Tristan Toulon. That's uh, that's the scalp that he took. Right. And then yeah. in the last sixteen, he took out David Bavarelli. Right. So, yeah. So so he's having not, having his D of Ds Yeah. Yeah. So I looked him up because I wasn't entirely sure what his history was. And sure enough, I mean, he he doesn't really. He sometimes gets into the top thirty-two. But he doesn't really threaten the podium very often. He's actually French, but chooses the fence for Morocco and actually trains in Lavalwa. Uh, and that's me just going okay. by the athlete profile on the FIU website. And if that's if that's the case, he's got access to you know suitably good sparring and, and good coaching there. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't be quite so surprised. But I mean, good on him. I mean, that's that's a serious run that he's actually just had there to get into the last eight. Yeah. So our first time, yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, I watched him. I I made sure I went to watch the 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 fight between uh, him and Anakin, and he just Mm -hmm. didn't look in anywhere near the same league. He might just be tired after having knocked his pan and getting this far, but uh, you know, Badam just went through him. It was fifteen five. It wasn't you know, it wasn't ever in any doubt. I think I think it was took like something five hits before he managed to score one. So Mm -hmm. he didn't look impressive against Anakin at all. So. Either he was just tired, or he just had a, just a great run earlier on in the day. Who knows? Okay. So our first our, our first semifinal, right? So this is a matchup between Sveskar and Anokin. It's kind of like kind of how you'd expect this one to go. Uh, Anokin's pressing quite hard, so defense is in defense. Sort of kind of quite close. What what Anokin's actually trying to do is he's he's, he's looking for the prep from Sveskar, and sure enough, every time Sveskar takes a step in. And Hawkins is just on him all the time Either with a just a solid step in Or a flesh Depending on what he wants to do And he basically just dominates The entire match uh, And wins at 15-8 mm, Pretty comfy it, it was comfortable It was comfortable all the way through There's a couple of rallies From car, But he, he just doesn't Didn't ever look like he was In the running to, to overtake him The second fight between Bardenay and Reisland Is a bit more interesting both fencers are just going at it. They're sort of constantly moving. The, sort of the way that um, Ryzen's fencing Barden is actually quite interesting. He's actually looking for Barden to pick his hand out so that he can actually ping him on the wrist. And if you think about the sort of fencer that Barden actually is, that's that's quite gutsy. Uh, but it looks like Barden is just, I think he's just a bit tired by this point in time, so his point's not quite on. And basically it actually works. The the first period it finishes with Ryzen 12.7 up. And then Bardney comes back out again to try and even out, but he just can't actually make any headway at all, and it finishes fifteen ten. Okay. Um. So our, our final is against uh, Anokhin versus Rysslin, and it's quite patient. Okay. This one might be an epic match for the purists.
0: Uh, there's
2: no <laughs> oh, the f- oh, well, you don't get much more damning than that, really. An epi uh, match it's, it's for the purists. It, <laughs> well, it's it is a bit damning by faint praise. I mean, the first period finishes uh, 3-1 to Rislin. And it's just patient. The two, the two of them, just sort of try to feel each other out. They both try the same, try to do the same game, which is try and pick each other off on their prep. So they kind of neutralise each other, and nothing happens as a result. Um, the second, the second game is they just keep, uh, they just keep trying the same sort of game. But this time, Riesland's actually holding the distance a bit longer, and he's trying to tease Anokin out a little bit. But it's just too passive, and that kind of plays into Anokin's game. So because he kind of falls asleep at the wheel, Anokin starts to and notch the hits up against them. But again, it's uh, it's again it's one for the one for the purists and it finishes 4 3. And and basically again it's another one where it appears like Rycelin isn't going to make any headway, but actually he, get, he just gets more and more patient and there's a critical moment in the third period where Nockin misses with a flesh. And at that point he just seems to lose his confidence and Ryzen just and he just comes back with a series of really smart attacks and remises back into Nockin's prep. And he equalises it out with t- at 10 all, but like this see where the score is in the third period. Uh, with a close in, well, Anokin tries a close in flesh and a remise but misses. And uh, Reason picks him off, and we go to a golden minute. So we get into it, and the two of them are just sort of uh, running around, trying to hit each other, basically. So they're going after <laughs> they're trying a bit harder now. And Anokin tries another flash, and he, he just falls short. And Reason actually just manages to get in a nice beat parry and picks him off. And wins it eleven ten. Okay, so I mean yeah, the final's I, I, fine, but go on, Sean.
0: I, I don't feel my blood stirred by the by that description.
2: No, no, I'm, I hate to say it, but it's one for the purists. I have in the past said I will
0: I will go back and watch things that you recommend, but this doesn't sound like no like no one I of don't think
2: so. I think maybe go back and check at the Burrell versus Rising match in the last day. That might be that's a bit more interesting. Okay, but but the real action is in the team, right? Okay. So, and now the action from the teams, which uh, I think is actually, which is more interesting than the, the individual. Uh, yeah. we'll just go straight to the semi final. Semi-final one was Ukraine versus Italy, with Italy taking it 32-31. And our second semi-final was France versus Japan. And France were dominant in this one and take it forty five forty. We'll go we'll do the we'll do the third the three versus four match first, because we can get that one out of the way pretty damn quick. Okay? It's Japan versus Ukraine. Team of the Japan team is Kano, Minobi and Yamada, Ukraine is Heri, Nikishan and Swishkar. We'll pick it up in leg four. There's been the uh, Japan have basically been holding their own and the score finish is a bit of a hit a thorn in leg four with Minobi versus Heri and it finishes nineteen seventeen. Leg five, we go back to traditional Epi team fencing and there's not very much happening here. The two fencers managed to keep the score ticking over well enough that there isn't any P cards until the until just near the end where there's a P yellow for the Ukrainian team. But Kano, who's up against Fishkar holds off Fishkar and scores another two points. It finishes 2117. Now because of this yellow this yellow this P yellow card, obviously Ukraine have to up the game a little bit. So we get into the, the sixth leg and it's Yamada versus Nakishin. Now obviously is the playmaker and he actually just starts he starts chipping away at Japan at this point and he manages to bring it back to 2321. And to be honest with you, Japan have always looked in control. They've, they've never looked like it's actually going to be a problem for them. And on comes Monobi in the seventh leg against Fishkar, and Fishkar promptly cuffs him. <laughs> and the score finishes up in this leg twenty-four twenty-four. I mean, there's not there's not much point in talking talking over individual hits here. But basically, Fishkar really, really just turns the screw, Monobe. There was something wrong with Manobi's fencing. He's getting too close. He's either he's either and he's maybe launching at the wrong time. And it's a. Criti- it feels at like that moment, you know, in, in Epi you get this critical point where everything goes against you. And uh, Monobi cost Japan this lead that they've been defending for the last three legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it finishes twenty four uh, twenty four. We get into leg eight, and Japan play their their sort of their their usual card. They bring on a Yama, and I guess what they're looking for here is just something a little bit different. But uh, Yama isn't able to make any real headway against Harry, and that one finishes twenty six all. So we've got. In our last leg, Kano versus Nakishin, it's actually a cracking leg for a team match, uh, and it finishes 31 all, with the last hit arriving. So Kishin overtakes uh, Japan roughly midway th- uh, roughly midway through this particular leg. He has Ukraine leading 30-29, to 29, and it gets to about seven seconds on the clock, and the score is 31-30. It's just been doubles, basically. 31-30 between, uh, between Ukraine and Japan. And then Nikishin just steps in really stupidly and Kano picks him up with a sweep through from carton to octave and scores. And we go to a golden minute and uh, Nikishin does the ballsy thing, actually. He does an attack and prep. It's the one thing he hasn't really been trying very much of throughout the rest of this particular leg. So as Kano preps, he just Nikishin just sticks his hand out and goes for the hit. And it's a it's just a really, really nice hit. He actually misses on the first one if you look closely and it's actually Remise, But it's still while Kano's prepping. Uh, and, that, and he wins it. That's thirty-two, thirty-one. So that was okay, but the actual final is a humdinger, and it's well worth checking out. Right, this is where Epi is at its best, I think. Okay, I've got a lot to say about the France one. You, you both sitting down for this?
0: Uh, I am, thankfully, yes.
2: This this is going to be this one's going to be a great one. We're going to talk a lot about some of the stuff that happened in this one. I think. <laughs> okay, let's start off. So it's France versus Italy. Now you and I, Sean, have commentated on France versus Italy before. We have, yeah. And uh, Italy applied sort of classic spreadsheet fencing tactics to the French, right? But I think the French have learned from this and decided to basically take their ga- their A game to these guys. So the first period is Gustin versus Vaccera. Gustin can't manage Fakera. Fikera's doing his usual thing of, you know, fencing quite close, being quite aggressive, lots of preps on the blade. But really, there's a hit in this particular leg, which is why I bring it up, which people have been talking about. So Gustin's try attacks. Fikera does uh, a parry or a post. He misses and then remises around the back of his own head to score a hit on Gustin before Gustin get pa- can get past him. It's a thing right. of beauty. If you've not seen the, the gif of this, no, it's actually a really, really beautiful hit. I'll try that one down. That sounds my sort yeah. of thing. Leg two, it's uh, Burrell versus Santarelli. Now, this is a uh, this is a bit we, We've talked about Burrell being sometimes being a little bit patchy, but Santarelli played very similar tactics. To it was Santarelli that beat Burrell in the World Championships, wasn't it? Am I remembering that right. Uh, ah, yes, I think it, it was, was. That's right. Yeah, it was. it was, it was very similar finals. Yeah, it was very very similar tactics here with Santarelli just being all over Burrell when Burrell was trying to do one of his sort of classic attacks. So this particular leg finished 10-6 to Italy. The third, uh, we're now into the third leg, and it's Bardoni versus Divaroli. And I thought it's quite interesting that the Italian team decided to lead out with Divaroli. But obviously, they're mm, yeah. actually kind of trusting the youngster to, to carry the game. Uh, he actually does it, up, plays it really, really well, with this leg actually finishing 13-8. So you can kind of see what's happening here. There's a large lead opening up with the Italians, and the French aren't really able to sort of make any headway in this one. We head into the fourth period and it's Gustan versus uh, Santarelli, and again, Santarelli's just all over him, and he manages to score an extra couple of hits, so we're now into the, the at the end of the fourth leg, it finishes 16-8, so we've got an eight-point lead, mm-hmm. and there's a really weird thing that happens in the last couple of seconds of the fight, where, the last, the last sort of section of the fight, where there's, I can't remember exactly what happens, there's a mistake, and they have to reset the clock, the, the clock resets to a minute, so they hit, there's hit, nothing happens, and all of a sudden the clock's seeing a minute on it, now, I had to double-check this because I, was sh- I wasn't was sure if my eyes were, were were wrong here, but when they reset the clock, they put it to 23 seconds, but it was actually 18 seconds on the clock, and nobody complained about this. Mm, okay. Now, in Epi, you, you'd think the coaches would be all over mm. that, but nobody complained about it. And I, I had to watch it four or five times. So I was like, am I the one making the mistake here? <laughs> sure, yeah,
0: yeah, but they always up we went back to it.
2: So if anybody knows what's happening, maybe I just read the clock wrong. I don't know, but it was a very odd moment, but it felt like another critical moment so we enter into the fifth period, and it's Bardney versus Faquera, right? And two these two fencers are really, really trying. bardney knows he has to get the score back. He just knows he has to try and do something. And he tries his best, but he's not able to. And the match finishes nineteen eleven, And that's not the interesting thing about this leg. We get to the end, and it times out. The referee says, that's fine. Burrell, he's next on. He, he comes on to the piece. But Fekera refuses to leave the match, and he starts shouting at the ref. And he keeps pointing at the clock. Now there's no commentary and we can't see the ref. The ref's been cut off at the bottom. So we don't really, I wasn't really sure what's going on at first, but if you listen very carefully on the mic, he's shouting, it's been over a minute. It's been over a minute. It's been over a minute. Apply the rules. It's been over a minute. And what I forgot to mention okay. is that in an earlier round, there was actually a P yellow against France. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a pause. Everyone stops. Vicar is standing there. Even the Italian coaches are kind of telling him to calm down, but he just stands his ground and the referee sticks his head around, says, okay, I'm going to have a look, goes back, has a look, comes back on and says, no, you're right. A minute has actually what, uh, has passed. So that should have been a P red. So the core, the score immediately ticks up to 20 to Italy, Ooh. 11 to France. <laughs> yeah. So what had happened was, was a minute was, there was a minute on the clock. The minute mm-hmm. ended at exactly the same time that the, that that leg finished. It was exactly a minute according to the clock. Right. Do you see what I'm getting at here? So there's one of those yeah, weird things yeah. from the, from the, the new unwillingness defense rules has just been played. And, uh, Fikera actually leaves the piece shouting, know the rules. you not, you have to know the rules. That's what he actually shouts. <laughs> 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 yeah. So anyway, we're into now, uh, we're now into what's this, the, the sixth leg. And it's Burrell versus D. And it's a, it's an absolute ding donger It's a hit-a-thon. Burrell's obviously, he's like a shark. He's obviously seen D. is the weak link in the team. And he just starts uh, handing it out to the youngster. And I actually counted <laughs> the score. It finishes um with France on twenty-three and Divaroli on thirty, but Burrell has beaten 12 twelve ten in three minutes. Uh, and they're all okay, they're all individual. So the, the, pushing these are for all, it, but not quite making it happen. Not quite, no. But these are all individual lights. There's no doubles. There's one double at the start, and then oh, after that it's just <laughs> singles all the way through. So there was twenty-two hits scored there, right? Twenty-two or yeah. indivi- well, twenty-one individual lights and one double. An absolute hit a if you want to see people just trying out like pull tricks from all over the place, that's that's the one to watch. Uh, so we get back into the main event: Bardney versus Santarelli. Bardney makes up for sort of losses earlier on and pulls back a couple, finishes the leg uh, with France twenty nine to thirty four. And the, the eighth le- in the eighth leg, it's Canone versus Di So I always find it interesting that they bring on Canon because to me he's a little bit of an unknown entity because we don't really know very much of him. He made a thirty two the day before. Uh, but they obviously have a lot of trust in him as a, as a playmaker or someone who's who can score points when the chips are down. Uh, he gives it his best shot, but doesn't really manage to make much headway against, in fact, no headway against uh, Italy. And the Adiva really manage, holds it and it finishes 40 to 35. And then we get to the final leg and it's Burrell versus Ficara. Now remember, we're starting this at 40 to 35. And Burrell comes on and just demolishes Ficara. He scores one, two, three, four hits before there's a double. So the score goes from being, from being 40 to 35 to being 41 to Italy, 40. And another couple of, there's another couple of doubles. So the score is 43, 42. Fikera makes a mistake in the next hit and steps in and gets blocked out by, by Burrell, So the score is now 43 all. So Italy have went from having a lead of, what, nine, ten 10 points being at the you know at the business end of the of the actual match to being 43 all and then the same thing happens again there's another double and neither fence is able to finish it off and the actual round fin- the actual leg finishes at 44 all and there's a golden minute here again and it starts off and it looks like Fikera pulls it out of the bag with a a nice dink to the hand but it's disallowed i'm not entirely sure exactly what's going on there but it's disallowed and then this this time, when they restart, uh, he steps in too close and Burrell picks him off with just a, a classy stop hit to hand. Uh, it's the one thing that Burrell hasn't been doing. Burrell had been unleashing all kinds of, basically been fleshing or doing aggressive steps in all the way through. He hadn't ends anything like this. And just as Faquera preps, he gets picked off. And uh, it's, it's it's actually just a classy way to finish the match. And again, Vakera does a lot of jumping around on the piece complaining, but this time no one listens to him. <laughs> uh, and that's it. He wins, and it's an absolute cracker of a final. I would really recommend everybody go back and watch that one, or at least dip in in the the, the fifth leg, where you get to see the strangeness from Unrolling this defence come out. Because I, I, well, I was like, oh, look, yeah. what's this going? Is he right? Is that a minute? Because you can't see the clock. There's no commentary. There's no clock that's telling mm. you what the countdown is. So you can't see what he's seeing on the on the actual official scoreboard next to him. And you have to really pay attention to what's going on. Uh, so I thought that was just sort of an interesting thing. And if anybody's got any insights into how the FA are going to fix that one, I'd be uh, something I'd like to hear, actually. Yeah. So i cracking yeah. the day out. Okay, interesting stuff. Cracking the out in the team, that's where the action was. Go and check that one out, and I'm done. <laughs> you had plenty to see.
0: So teams was, were uh, where it was at in Bern. That was all the good stuff.
2: Teams is great. Yep. Eh, it's just a standard EPI competition. You know, crazy if you look at the results because nobody made it out of the, nobody in the top 16 apart from maybe Burrell and uh, I think Riesling made it actually out of the, made it out of the traps. So fair enough, you know, but teams is where it's at for that one.
0: Yeah, Gav, Gav making the sales pitch for men's EPI. So let's see, Kate and I are both buyers, so we're going to go away and look at the team final from from Bern, but we'll be back next time to To report whether we actually enjoyed it or not, and if it sucked, we'll we'll be having words.
2: Oh, it's great! <laughs> oh no, that's a good one. Trust me, it's a good one. It's well worth it. It's a slow, it's a slow burner to the fifth leg, but then on the fifth leg, it really sings.
1: Be fair, you did make that sound quite exciting,
2: but yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the individual was just if you like a standard epic competition with nobody in the top sixteen really. Making any headway, but uh, outside of Burrell and and Rysland, I think. Uh, but yeah, no, all the actions in the teams, I think, this time around.
1: And I might actually watch it. It sounded it sounded interesting.
2: It is very interesting. Trust me, trust me. For Effie. Yeah, I'm confident. I am absolutely confident. Okay,
0: you're, you're confident. Well, let's let's finally talk about some some actual saber.
1: Some some exciting stuff. Uh, sorry, sorry, Gav. I don't know. It just sit down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. The rest of it's just been a warm up act. I mean, obviously, nothing very exciting in Cairo, and Gav just, you know, <laughs> he's he comes on stage, nobody's there listening, uh, but we're all here now, ready to mm-hmm, ready to find indeed. out what uh, what was going on in in Orleans. So, uh, Kate, tell us tell us about your weekend first of all.
1: It was a good weekend. It was a good pool for me. Usually, that's the one thing I struggle with and have struggled with. And actually, I came out of the pools with quite a confident couple of. 5 1, 5 0 wins, and a couple of ones that I could have done better in, and one that I I lost to someone who's just at the top 16, and then went out in the preliminary DEs in a fight I should have won, but now I know that, and now I can do better. But I I actually had fun, so that was quite a positive in the end.
0: Could, yeah, yeah, that you don't want to come away from these these weekends because, well, only, only one person can win, and if you're if you come away from it heating it because you don't, because you don't, then uh, yeah, they they become pretty miserable, miserable events. So um, yeah, I'm glad you glad you had fun.
1: Yeah, who'd have thought Fencing's fun? <laughs>
0: a novel idea. So yeah, so tell me how everybody else got on.
1: In the so in the big boys and girls, I bought big girls, they had I'll go from the Brunei one, nicotine a second. Carlan and Shao, third. And in comparison to the men, though, I would say it's pretty consistent Well, previous seasons. Brunei had a, I would say, pretty easy run through the DEs. Well, I guess that you're pretty fresh when you have to do pools. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe you should try and it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Maybe, just yeah.
1: Well, I'll try it next time. I'll just ask them to pop me in the yeah, top 16 yeah. and See, see how they Because this they like pool stuff one. is just
0: rubbish and I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and but but credit to Ollie on that. It was very well presented. I didn't actually go to the finals myself, but they had the top eight massive stadium mm. packed with French supporters, um, fans. Everyone was there, and from uh, other people telling me, it was if a French person got a point, it was sort of deafening. The sort of, the noise coming from the supporters and watching it back exciting fights i definitely go with carlan and brunet
0: yeah i did i did watch that one that was a, uh, it was a cracker
1: yeah i honestly thought at one point carlan had it and thought oh okay she's carlan's doing carlan's thing and then manon Brunei gets a stop no she gets a counterattack attack on yeah. the back line and then I think Carlin does oh what and just loses it from there because she'd been it? on a, a huge yeah. run.
0: She she was quite a bit down at the start of the fight. She was something like what seven. Carlin was something like seven three down, and then mm-hmm. she couldn't miss with a parry repose through the middle bit of the fight until she was what fourteen eleven up. And then yeah, as you say, this this kind of ducking stop cut to wrist, which was a, a kind of ugly looking thing, but meant only one light.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of watching it, it looks like it just threw. Carlin's game a little bit and broke her her sort of stampede that she had because she was, yeah, 14, 11 and 14, 12. And then Brunei's just picking her off in the middle, which is, I think, probably her strong point. But Carlin is her strong point as well. She just, I don't know, even her body language just, I don't know, I don't want to say it looked defeated because it's Elko Carlin we're talking about, but she still looked like Manon wasn't, Brunei wasn't giving up that fight.
0: No, I mean even even when she got that twelfth hit and still quite a long way short uh, with Caroline just needing one to finish the job off, she still looked lo- properly hyped and like
2: mm-hmm.
0: there was no no sign that there was any any doubt in her mind that she could still do it.
1: No, I think she definitely got a boost from the audience. Though so. I think that I think I've said it be- must have said it before, but Brunet I think is definitely one of those fences that deals that sort of rises mm-hmm. to the occasion type fences and yeah. They, the whole audience loved her. And then she won that 15-14. One
0: I mean, you could really notice the uh, the difference in <laughs> the, the crowd noise when between when uh, Brunei scored a hit and when um, when Carlin scored a hit. You know, the crowd crowd goes absolutely mental every time there's a a, a hit for Brunet and it's a kind of deathly silence <laughs> every time oh. that Carlan scores. Which must, you know, it can't be that much fun if you're the the unsupported non-French fencer did sound like an amazing atmosphere i mean i heard the estimate of, a, of about four thousand spectators which uh you don't get very often at fencing competitions i mean paris is is the other mm-hmm. place that i can think of anywhere else you you just you just don't see those kind of numbers and it, it does make a huge difference to the atmosphere
1: Yeah, even on the preliminary days we had and the pools we had little kids that they'd come in i think from the local schools and it was quite a, quite a busy stadium but it's quite sweet you could obviously hear the kids have just gone Picked a fencer or a name or a country and just thought, we'll chant this for a bit. Okay, now we will changed. Okay, we'll <laughs> chant this for a bit. Because there was one point point they were all chanting USA. I was like, what, what's going on? What's going on
0: here?
1: <laughs> I think they just thought, oh, there's okay. no French people on. We'll just shout USA for a bit.
0: See, so, it. Yeah, why not?
1: But no, it was good fun.
0: Okay, so tell us more.
1: And then Nicotina and Brunei final. I think they fenced in a final before last season in St. Nick and Brunei. Uh, had that one quite comfortably. In this one, okay. it's similar, kind of, well, she's down at the middle, I don't know, sometimes she, when watching in the final, Brune, she has that sort of, comes up to through the gears, I don't know, She sort of, it's only until the second half, you see a bit more like, I'm having this fight, not that she's not in the first half, because it's mm-hmm. about 8-7 at the break, and then, there's the same sort of touch for touch, and then she just chucks in a couple of nice parries that she wasn't getting earlier. And then All just right. some crazy counterattacks as well.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I mean there was a that played two or three in the in the semi final against Carlan where she would get you know a single like attack and you couldn't quite work out how how she kind of got away with it. Yeah. you know it, it looked like just Carlan uh, had messed up horribly. and managed to throw herself quite often onto onto Bruni's point, mm-hmm. which seemed very Carlan like, but it happens with um, with Bruni's fencing. A lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how she does it, but
1: yeah, it's one of those sneaky hits that you think you've got the attack and you're pushing her down, and you think no one can get you, and then oh, What? How did she hit me? So sort of yeah, where did that come that from? Yeah. So sharp timing and so inside it, and then yeah, I don't know. I want I have to do. I want to that. I want to try that. I, I want to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that? That's when you're not being um, Velikia of course.
1: Well, that is that's true. Oh, well, okay, she that's... not a great day for Evelicia about to. Igorian, actually, in the... Ah, right. Yeah, in the
0: 32, that's right. 32, yeah. yeah. And then Agorian not going any further than the 16 as well.
1: Yeah, out to Lembach, uh, 15-13. So a good mm-hmm. day for the home country, really. Uh, yeah. Well, apart from Bodeo going out 15-9 to Nicotina.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's a yeah. So, so she's gone out in the last 16, which is not, not a great result for her. Yeah, I think yeah a, a, a Bruni win, Lembach in the... In the quarters, mm-hmm. it's a decent run. It, it gives the the home crowd something to shout about, which uh, which always helps. I mean, that's always a slightly um, flat feeling when uh, when we've been in Paris for both the foil or, and and the epi When when the French guys don't have a have a great day, the stadium's still pretty close to full, but it's a, it's much much quieter.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh they've obviously the French team and Brunei as well were expecting a better result. Uh, worlds and euros and i must have just gone back to the drawing board and gone right how do we how do we work on this so mm. it's a good it's definitely a good start for her and nicotina as well for someone who's i would say that uh, are the unorthodox of all the russian fencers.
0: Because yeah. watching as she's completely Un- different type style yeah yeah that's, that's quite a kind description <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah wonky unorthodox wonky yeah.
0: ugly would be <laughs> my my summary best. I mean, it's certainly very odd looking. Yeah. Something I don't know, slightly almost uncoordinated about it, but it produces a lot of hits and I mean this is it's, it's a great result. still second at second at the first World Cup of the season. It sets up really well. And I was really impressed with her how she fenced in the in the teams at the World Championships too. So that'll have done a lot to I think consolidate her place as the as one of the three to fence in the individual at the Olympics. Yeah. Because I was a little surprised when she was in the starting lineup for the Russian team in in Budapest with Pozniakova on the bench, but she totally justified her place. And another strong result here will have will have helped her case no end.
1: Yeah, I, I i get I get what you mean. I feel like sometimes she's, I mean, second at a World Cup is a good result, and I'm not saying she's a bad fencer, but I think she does slightly get underrated, mm-hmm. especially when you've got a go-in and the lucky in your team
0: yeah t- t- yeah. standing next to those people most mo- most people are going to struggle for look great
1: yeah <laughs> no but yeah no good hats off to her and especially against Xiao I haven't actually seen that fight but Xiao is another kind of she's weird she's long and she's got a weird timing and she's an, anyway, she's got that long slow attack that you end up messing up because she just is so patient mm-hmm. so that's what I have to go back and have another watch but i had to watch i had to watch Bruno.
0: yeah no i would say it was a good one and i'm glad i i did my did my homework <laughs> for the saber and watch that watch that one mm-hmm. so yeah so team stuff
1: team stuff pretty convincing wing by russia the korea with i have the scores in front of me 45 41 but it was kind of an up and down shoy had against Segura in her first fight and one of the legs like, she so only got one point, then she got ten points, then she got two points. <laughs> so it was never...
0: Yeah, it's a uh, pretty yeah. wildly variable.
1: And then Kim coming back to, from 31 to 41.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it's a good run, but yeah, when you're already that far down, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask.
1: Yeah, but there were some interesting wins. I think it was... I left before I could see the end results, but I really good fight in the 32 or 16 of Spain beating USA 45-42. Yeah, no, I did see that
0: result. Spain are a team on the up. I mean, they're not going to make the Olympics, are they? I wouldn't have thought. I mean, it's a good result for them and everything. And beating the USA mm-hmm. is is pretty good going. There's a slightly odd-looking USA team as well. No Dagmar Ovozniak, who's recovering from Knee surgery, I think. Yeah. Injury, yeah. So they, they missed her, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting because they've, it's with the USA team, they've, they've definitely qualified, but it's who's going to be in yeah. the team is the main question. Because I've seen it, it's, yeah, it has changed quite a bit. So, yeah. I'm, and that's one of, yeah. Yeah, it's a strange. Hmm. Yes, hmm. Can't think much else to say on that. Yeah, <clears one. strange. laughs> it's strange. It's as good a summary as, <laughs> good a summary as any. So yeah. No, they're all they're all really good fences. It's just yeah, it's not the team that we saw in Budapest. And yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how they progress through the season. If whether well Dagmar will uh, recover in time or yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a good team, but it's a team well, kind of currently short shorter stars. I mean Mario Sagunas is mm-hmm. not not the fencer that she once was, obviously. Elizabeth Stone's a a, a good fencer from well up there in the individual rankings but again she doesn't have that same air of dominance that some of the USA women's sabers have had in the past. It seems a slightly mm-hmm. almost a slightly anonymous team which is unlike my my mental image of what a, uh, an American women's yeah, saber team like should look not, like
1: they, uh, From watching them just the the way they were working with one another i didn't get the same usa kind of team and i sort of image that they portray if that makes sense that's yeah it was
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah not i don't know i don't want to say that they don't gel cuz i don't know them well enough to say that
0: i mean maybe it's just a it's a a team that's had a a fair bit of turnover in the last last few years and they maybe still yeah, not just getting, getting used to, to know each gel. other yeah yeah
1: that sort of When you've seen the same team for a couple of competitions, you you have your own, you know who's got what role and how to deal with different circumstances because you've worked together. But when you've not and you're in different, if you're in different places, it can be can be a little bit off putting as well. You don't know what to expect. As I think,
0: yeah, because obviously the USA fencers don't spend a whole lot of time training together. It's not like a lot of countries where you have either national teams working together all the time or. Coming together regularly, have squad training camps. Uh, do get the feeling that, mm-hmm. uh, USA fencing is quite, quite disparate and, you know, your, your team will come f- together from different corners of the country and are kind of thrown yeah, together yeah. at last minute. And while if you're, if you have a team that's regularly the same, then you will get to know each other and, you know, how the, how the team works and, um, understanding what you know, what people like in terms of support or encouragement or advice from the side of the piece, and what they what they can do within a team setting, but it, that takes a bit of time.
1: Yeah, especially in contrast of the Spanish team, I think they've worked really hard over the past couple of seasons, and it's a shame because Europe is such a hard country to qualify in. But they are one country that when you see them, they're always together. They warm up together. They hang out together. They're training together, and they are like a little. Mm-hmm. Sort of sisterhood little gang of fencers, which I think, even if you're that's that is so important in the team event, you can have that that little boost from your teammates can make such a difference in these events. Back from the philosophical edge of (laughs) the fencing, the results wise, I can go on about it all day. We had in the final results so Russia won, Korea second, Ukraine third, and Hungary third, which and France, yeah. which I was surprised by.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, Ukraine beating France in the in the quarterfinals. I mean, they kind of made up for it by at least finishing fifth. But um, mm. yeah, surprising loss. I'm a, a big yeah. fan of the French women's saber team. There's a lot of variety there, and there's a kind of um, I've just described it as a kind of playfulness about their fencing. It's uh, it's less clinical and more imaginative than most other teams which is why I enjoy mm-hmm. watching the fans.
1: Yeah, they the Ukraine as well makes an interesting decision putting Karlan on the second to last side. Mm, yeah. Which I might have I think might have been a re- part of the reason against Fre- the French the French team. I'm not sure what that was tactically but it worked well for them. Yeah. coming against uh France. Yeah. But no, it I need to go back and watch them. The not to dismiss the 32s and the 16 fights were quite exciting, especially the little fights like Azerbaijan versus France. There were some at the beginning of the fights thinking, Oh, actually, what's going on here? This is quite exciting. This could go either way. And I think Canada as well had a good couple of legs and a couple of, against Korea. So yeah, it was, it was exciting, but I think the eventual winners was ones that you sort of, you could predict in a way.
0: Russia, really. Yeah, Ru- Russia looking increasingly reliable as a as a team now. I think as we mm-hmm. as we get into Olympic season, Egorian out out regularly for the team, uh, where she was missing a few times last season, and uh, Nikitina looking a a reliable third fencer for them as well. I think it's a it like a, a well set up team now. So
1: I think further on the season it's going to get going to get exciting, I think. Of course. Even more exciting than it normally is. Oof. Well,
2: it's hard it's to imagine. Is it as exciting as men's epi? <laughs> it's, 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 it's I, as men's epi. I don't know. It. Don't
1: know like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Can you say that, can you compare men's, what, men's epi to women's sabre? Is that allowed?
0: Mm, mm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm staying at this.
1: <laughs> he made a rude mark about sabre. I'm allowed to make a rude mark about epi.
0: Well, I, that, that seems fair enough. Right, children, children, I've had to do yeah. enough parental stuff this evening already with Cairo, and to don't make me intervene here. Sorry, Dad. Okay, so I think that, that covers all the fencing action. Four competitions there, only half of which we were actually able to see, but hopefully uh, you appreciate the sort of detailed reporting from Gavin Kate there. And on to the next the next bit of Naughty Children, um, things coming up. I, I can't decide how to how to approach this, but basically the World Anti-Doping Agency is going to make a decision on what punishment or treatment they're going to dish out to Russia for the uh, alleged doping violations over a large number of years, and that's going to happen on the ninth of December. Now, no real clues, obviously, up front about what the what the decision is going to be, but it does raise the possibility, from a fencing point of view, that um, we may not have any Russians fencing at the Olympics which would be really weird.
2: Oh, it would definitely it, it'd be a tricky one, I think. There's so many good top-end Russian fencers at the moment that I think it would, I'm not going to say harm the event, but it would definitely feel a bit strange not to see them fencing. Could you imagine Derek over not being there? How yeah, weird would that be? You
0: know, Novolikia, yeah, uh, yeah, there's lots of them. I mean, the other option, at, at the moment, the International Amateur Athletics Federation is the, the most extreme case they have banned Russia from competing at the world championships,
2: mm-hmm.
0: only individuals can compete but not wearing Russian colours, you'll not hear the na- Russian national anthem played if they win, uh, no Russian coaches allowed, and in order to get a place as a as a neutral effectively from, from Russia, um, you've had to have undergone uh, a great deal of out-of-competition testing to be considered. Yeah. Safe to be let in. So I mean, I mean, at the last World Athletics Championships. I think there was only thirty Russian athletes competing under a, a sort of neutral banner, compared to you know what would normally be three or four times, probably about four times as many as that. So if Russia were to be excluded from the Olympics, which I think, I think now WADA can actually enforce. Previously, they couldn't, but they've had a, an increase in the powers that they they, they have. What you could have is. No Russian teams fencing, and perhaps only one Russian fencer fencing in in the individual events. So mm. might still might still get Daria Glazova well if that were to happen. But it'll be an, an interesting decision. And I'm sure something that we'll uh, uh, we'll we'll talk about in our yeah. our next uh, our next episode.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the thing is, even you get the feeling that almost regardless of what decision the World Anti-Doping Agency come up with. If it's any sort of punishment at all that Russia are likely to appeal for the to the court of arbitration for sport. so it's not going to be um a, a final decision that we get on the ninth of December it's kind of a, a a starting point for for an appeals process, so it'll not be quick but we'll we'll get an idea of what we're looking at and mm. yeah let's see what we
2: get do we not do we not think that there's going to be another fudge like last time
0: well uh, the the fudge to some degree was down to the limitation on the powers that WADA had. Um, They had not much choice than to pass their recommendations on to the IOC because this this story really broke properly just before the Rio Olympics. Mm. And then the IOC fudged things a bit further by then passing the buck on to the international federations for each sport, some of which came back with a fairly strong stance like athletics did Mm -hmm. and others, including fencing, went, no, we're all fine. And just as you were. So, yeah, the fact that uh, WADA now have more power means that we're likely to get a sort of consistent decision about yeah, yeah. Russian participation mm-hmm. across all sports. So, yeah, watch this space. We'll, we'll keep you updated, yeah. but In- uh, yeah, almost whatever the decision is, it's going to be big news. Yeah, yeah.
2: Interesting times. Yeah, very much so. So, anyway,
0: on to something a bit more fun. Our nominations for
2: Coolest Fencer on the Planet. Well, um, for me, it's going to be Fikera for calling out the interesting play with, uh, uh, with The unwillingness defence After the minute I think that was classy Although I'm kind of tempted not to Because he was throwing a bit of tant- tantrum at the end of that team match mm-hmm. But the fact that he noticed that the clock Had counted down to a minute Exactly at the same time that the bout finished that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's Something else And let's face it, what do we like in Epi, we like, we like it when we score points and don't have to do anything we like, like that We like nerdiness um,
0: yeah. yeah, well th- uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you for that nomination, Gav.
1: Like a good spreadsheet. <laughs>
2: thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would love to be able to to nominate uh, Ariana Arrigo for for winning a first World Cup in a while, but since I couldn't see any of the action whatsoever, I feel that I can't really. So I'll make the same nomination. I suspect that that Kate's likely to make uh, with Maron Bruni winning winning on home home soil in front of a big and enthusiastic French crowd. Sounds sounds pretty cool to me.
1: It does I was going to say a similar thing that i'd like to give it to one of the men but we can't see their fencing so i can't so yeah i would i would nominate uh Brune for her ballsy stuck counter attack on the back line at 14 yeah. 11 against olga Carlin. Yep. I yeah it's pretty cool
0: gavin you've come up with uh mr for for his <clears throat> wonderful piece of anorakness but I mean, we can pretend this is a democracy and say, "Well, two votes to one in favour of Bruni," or do you just want to admit that your your nomination was clearly a piece of nonsense? Oh, okay.
2: Well, no, because he he also scored a hit, which everyone's talking about. His sort of harassing tactics carried the the Italian team for quite a bit as well. It was either him, it was him and Santorelli that were doing all the damage to the French. Yeah, I mean, I would be tempting to go for Burrell again, but I think they have had <laughs> Burrell. I've nominated Burrell just about every time recently. So, uh,
0: anytime uh-huh. you get the opportunity. Unless there's a a Japanese fencer that's gone particularly well, but as I say, your support seems to ensure that's yeah. not happening for them. So
2: to be to be honest, I mean this, Yamada, who's a fencer I wasn't actually all that familiar with before now, because I spent a wee more time watching this time around, actually scores an amazing jumping flick the back in one, in one of the matches too. But I'm not going to recommend them because I don't uh, I don't know enough about him yet. He did win the Asian Zone, though, so, mm-hmm. so
0: that's anyway. something.
2: So that's something. Yeah, so well, I'll go with you guys, Brune, I like her, so let's uh, let's go for Manon.
0: Okay, there we have it, Manon Bruni, coolest fencer on the planet. So, things to look forward to. Um, we've got a weekend off where we don't actually need to spend all of our spare time watching watching fencing from around the globe or swearing at our computer because there's no live stream from Cairo.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's lucky. F- that's lucky because it's my uh, works night out next week.
0: Oh, okay, okay, oh no, hang on, no, I'm talking about this weekend as we're actually recording nothing oh, on this no, weekend right. oh, good. next good weekend there, okay. well, actually, there's no epi mm-hmm. so you can you can revel in your hangover without having to to hear this the sound of bleeping scoring boxes and the clash of blades you can just mm-hmm. you can just wallow in your own misery, but we do have mens foil. World Cup and test event from Tokyo, so we'll get our first look at the Olympic venue, which should be pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Women's foil from Samoa in France, and yep. uh, Kate, you're off to Salt Lake City, I believe. I am indeed. That should be that should be extremely good. Yeah. Looking forward to it? I Doing am. before?
1: I have not. I'm going, I'm actually going across on Tuesday to New York to do some training. Right. And then I'm shooting across to Salt Lake to do training and competing. So yeah. That I Great. And then.
0: Where, where are you training in New York?
1: In a Manhattan fencing centre. I keep on wanting saying Manchester fencing centre, but it's Manhattan fencing
0: centre. <laughs> much, much further away, oh, much more so exotic. People get... Yeah. yeah. No. no. No disrespect to the Manchester fencing centre, but uh, yeah. No, oh, that sounds good.
1: Every time I say I go to New York to go to Manchester, people look at me like, huh? What? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I'm going to Manhattan to train in New York. And, you know, New York at Christmas, it'll be, you know, really boring, and I won't mm. enjoy it at all, you
0: know. Yeah, clearly you're going to hate that. <laughs> I won't
1: yeah. post anything online, and, you know, I'll be really sort of quiet then, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yep. Yeah. You're no training, I'm, I'm glad, you're glad you're to hear training. that. Oh, yeah, Focus. Focus. yeah, that's right. I mean, you'll be training 12 hours eating yeah, or sleeping. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, all that, all that stuff. Okay, well, I'll, I'll keep a, a close eye on your uh, your Instagram feed in that case.
1: That's fine. <laughs> My parents aren't talking to me. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so unreasonable. <laughs> and the other other bit of news, which is entirely selfish, but you know, some some other people might care. Gav and I return to the commentary box, Paris for the Men's Foil World Cup mm. in January at the Challenge yeah, International we'll de we'll Paris.
2: Looking forward to that. Uh,
0: so thank you very much to the French Federation for for asking us back to have another go. Uh, again, once okay. again, we'll try to be knowledgeable, informative, and eloquent, and uh, not to swear when we're live on here. Because <laughs> unlike here, I can't edit it out after the event. <laughs> so that's yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll be looking to do cool, so as usual follow us on all the social medias we're on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter we're at Fencing Podcast mm-hmm. and you should probably also follow Kate now and find out how good her weekend or her, her week uh, training in inverted commas yes, in New York mm-hmm. is uh, and then how her weekend in Salt Lake City goes
2: yeah, you should mm. definitely sling some gifts at Kate yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly that's that's how it works apparently <laughs> I don't join in this gif nonsense at all
1: you just send it yeah
0: but I think that's a wrap for the, for this time round. yeah anything exciting to add I think it's us yeah mm-hmm. good we're done speak to you soon
2: bye all right, speak to you later bye <laughs>